I what I learned coming from myself is that if, if I approach people tenderly, if I approach them with kindness and understanding and compassion, even if I know nothing about them, or maybe mm. don't agree with them in some way, you'll always find, you know, you'll you'll always find something deeper about them, which will either bridge the gap between you two or reinforce that okay, maybe this person isn't for me, and that's completely valid as well. Is this person worth worth bridging the gap between, or should I keep my privacy with them? Hello everyone, welcome to the Experience Podcast. My name is Tejaswa or Tex and together you and I are going to have amazing conversations with amazing people and learn so much through our experiences. This is a listener supported podcast so any level of Patreon subscription or one-time donation will be accepted with a lot of gratitude and used back to making this podcast experience even greater. In today's episode, I can't wait to welcome Tatiana. We're going to be talking about the gaps that may exist in our lives and how we might be able to form a bridge. But first, let's take a deep breath and close our eyes and reflect on the word bridge. Maybe it's a feeling, a memory, a person, an environment, or whatever else may come to mind. Keep this thought in mind, maybe write it down on a piece of paper, because we will come back to it later in the episode. If you're comfortable, we'd love to know what you thought of, so please do share with us in the comments below, or feel free to message us. Let's begin. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Experience Podcast. Today with us we have Tatiana. For those of you who don't know Tat, she was a student at Southampton University studying aeronautical and astronomical engineering. Um, and we both first met uh, in our second year of university when I went to Southampton to give a workshop in Autodesk Fusion 360. At the time, she was the president of SUPA, which was a society aimed at designing human-powered aircraft, which I thought was very super. Um, she was also the president of a women's society and was also featured on the Evening Standard. So Tatiana, how are you doing and what have you been up to these days? Thank you for the very, very nice introduction. I feel really loved. I am really, really good, thank you. I will discuss this later, but I've recently moved to a new country. I started mm -hmm. a new job, so life is very, very exciting right now. You know, new beginnings, new friends, new everything. So I'm just trying to absorb it all. Yeah, amazing. So which country have you moved to, Tab? So I went from the UK, so from London, where I'm originally from, to the Netherlands. So I am currently based in a city called Leiden, which is a university wow. city here. It's a university city. Wow. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who don't know, for, for those who don't know, Tad, do you want to explain what a university city means? I guess it's similar to, like you said at the beginning, Southampton. So it's a mm. city with a university in it. Southampton's a very mm. prominent one. And here we have the University of Leiden. Mm -hmm. um, so the city is full of students, it's very international, mm. loads of different varieties of shops, amenities, and different sorts of people from all around the world. So it's very easy to feel at home here. Wow. So is that something you enjoy? Do you enjoy being in an international environment? I definitely thrive in them. I did an internship last summer, completely mm. internationally as well. So mm. people were joining from all around the world and just hearing about different experiences, different upbringings. It really opens your, it really opens the doors to different ways and perspectives of learning. And I think it's one of the easiest ways to grow and learn from other people. Wow. So you mentioned you you thrive in them, and you also mentioned that uh, you did you did an internship last year internationally. What, what do you mean you did it internationally? So COVID happened. COVID happened. So, so with the transition into remote working, I got very lucky to find a summer internship, which I could do remotely. So mm -hmm. I did the internship from London for a company based in Portugal, which originated from Germany. So you can imagine 
the sort of staff there were from everywhere and mm. the fact that they were able to take on interns remotely meant I had um, colleagues from India, I had colleagues from the US, from Italy, Germany, the UK. So it was really nice to be able to work on a collective project, but still know that everybody's working from, you know, all around the world. Yeah, amazing. I definitely agree with you, Tat, because um, at any, like Imperial, where I went to university as well, um, there were loads of international students and it was very interesting to see different people bringing in different ways of thinking. And in a certain project, it's always nice to have a bit of, um, you know, a broader sense of what we're doing uh, because each person brings a very unique sort of idea to the table. Sometimes that makes things go wrong, but we learn and we move and it's definitely part of the experience, isn't it? Totally. I'm going to plug yeah. my LinkedIn profile here on the um, my bio. The first line I wrote is, uh, diversity of minds leads to diversity of ideas. Wow. Which is which is something we all need, isn't it? And the world needs definitely to to defi- to progress in the right direction. I definitely agree with you. So Tad, how, you know, we both were engineers. We both did aeronautical engineering and can you tell us a little bit about what got you into engineering? Like, what, what's the story? Yeah. There? So my love for engineering started quite late, but the thing that started it all was my love for space. So I was mm. about five or six. I was sitting in the living room with my dad watching space documentaries, you know, reading books about space. And mm. I think from primary school, I was like, yep, I'm going to be an astronomer. This is what I'm going to do. I love looking at the stars, learning about the planets. And it was only when I hit secondary school, I discovered design technology, engineering, project work. And that's something I enjoyed as well. I loved seeing something from start to finish, having an idea, seeing it through its creation process, and then sending it off into the world to grow. And I wanted to combine the two together, my love for space and and like I'm going to say project work. And then I came across the realm that is aerospace engineering. And I think from year seven, that's what I stuck with. I sub, I told myself I'm going to be an aerospace engineer and, you know, we, gra- we grinded, <laughs> but, we <did>. we <laughs> but we got there yeah. in the end. Yeah, we did. It's not an easy degree, is it? I mean, Mm-mm. I think that I've heard many stories from Imperial as well as from other places where, you know, we have a very we have a strong passion for a certain topic initially, but as we progress in life or even take it up as a degree, something or the other happens. Maybe it's the academic pressure, maybe it's the environment that, you know, we don't really love it anymore. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we do, but in that moment, we feel like we don't. And it's a very interesting observation to make because um, similar to you, Tad, like when I was very young, it was Iron Man for me <laughs> that uh, that drove me to... Uh, going to the direction of engineering because here I saw this like we all love superheroes when we're kids and when we grow up you know people tell us you should grow up these things are not real but I never let that kid side of me go away so when I was eight or nine I think that's when Iron Man's trailer came out and I thought wow this guy's an engineer and he just built a suit and he's flying um and I found that really cool. So I said, you know, this is what I want to do. So ever since I was like nine years old, people used to ask me, oh, so, you know, what do you like doing? I said, I want to become an aeronautical engineer. And at the time, nobody knew what an aeronautical engineer was. You know, there was, it was very little. Um, the word was thrown around very, very little. So it was interesting. And then I have to explain, oh, no, no, it's somebody who makes airplanes and cars and rockets and ships. And they were like, oh, wow, you think you're that smart? And I'm like, I don't know yet, but we'll see. <laughs> and like you said, you know, we did grind. We, we really had to study for those A-levels. And I don't consider myself to be a very academic person. I mean, it's something that I have to do to overcome a certain barrier so I can progress in life to, do, to be able to do the things that I really want to do. Um, so t- let's touch on, um, you know, since we're talking about engineering and also university life, what does engineering mean to you? Is it, is it something that was different before you joined uni, while you were at uni and post uni? This is a really good question. And mm. I remember taking a long time to think about it. And I still don't think I have a concrete answer because mm. I don't think I ever stopped to define it for myself until now. And Honestly, it was such a, uh, I'm going to say a selfish endeavor at first. Engineering to me was my chosen career path. This was the thing I was going to do. And 
if there was anything broader than that, it was just, you know, the space industry. That is the thing that is I'm striving for. That is the thing that is going to change the world and beyond, right? It's only now that I realize engineering is the ability to shape the world that we live in, which is why I'm trying to encourage anyone and any anyone and everyone to be an engineer, because that means you get you get to say what the world looks is going to look like today, tomorrow, in the future. And it's the engineers that design and shape that. So like I said mm -hmm. before, if you have a diverse range of engineers, you're going to be able to create a world that accommodates everyone, which mm -hmm. is so, so important. And the, yeah, engineering, going back years and years ago, engineering was for a very select group of people, mm -hmm. which is why certain, you know, certain creations, I think the, the main one I can think of is the airbag in cars, not designed not originally designed for women and children because it was uh, a team of men that created the airbag. Oh, interesting. So, so yeah. it's just understanding that engineers, well, create and shape the world we live in. So you need to have a good diverse range of them to be able to satisfy everyone. Wow. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Tatiana, <laughs> such an inspiring individual. I remember when we first met, we were both in a, in a, somewhat of an existential crisis because I remember I walked into the room and she was doing something to the windows and um, I remember just looking at her and then I was like oh whoa there's something different in this room and then we started talking after the after the class and we we hit a DMC very very so DMC is a deep meaning conversations I think <laughs> we just walked around the campus and uh, the guy who drove me to Southampton, he was like, um, hi, can we go back? I said, no, you go, I'll take the train. And uh, I, I stayed for a, a, a really long time at Southampton mm -hmm. on that day. And Tat and I and a couple of other friends, we were just really having these deep conversations. And the existential crisis we were having is we both thought that we're not the ideal student. You know, and do you remember this conversation? Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we were like, okay, yeah, we, we both love engineering, but I feel like, you know, the way the degree is shaped, maybe, or the way people or professors expect things from us, the timeline uh, in which things happen, we weren't, we, either we weren't able to cope with it, or even if we did cope with it, we felt like we weren't doing it right. So mm -hmm. something was missing. And I remember after finishing this conversation with Tad, I felt a lot more inspired and hopeful that, you know, there are other passionate people who are into engineering and don't necessarily stick to the one specific way of what engineering is. And I think that was really, really inspiring. And ever since, I think we've formed a really good friendship. Um, yeah. So again, like talking just about the pre-uni, during uni and post-uni feelings of engineering, do you think there's a bit of a, a gap between how we feel before we enter uni and then when we enter uni our mindset somehow just changes really quickly mm -hmm. and maybe it's to do with everybody that we surround ourselves by what do you think what are your thoughts on this tad like what do you think happens to us as soon as we enter this academic environment what mm -hmm. happens to the way we think I'm probably not the best person to ask because I was thrown mm -hmm. into very extreme environments I came from mm -hmm. an all-girls grammar school and mm. was thrown into a course with majority men. And probably by the time I finished university, I was in my course of about 150, I was one of less than 10 girls. And it was such an environment. It was a culture shock. And I didn't yeah. realize until further down the line. And you're 100% right. The people you surround yourselves with uh, shape your experience, right? And sure. uh, in the girls' school, and I know there's a lot of debate and controversy about single-sex schools. But for me, especially pursuing such a male-dominated subject i always felt empowered at school it was like i could answer questions wrong i could not know how to do something i could admit to either you know having to learn something new and for me that actually changed when i went to university i the imposter syndrome kicked in as soon as i started and that's mm. not something i had in uh, my secondary school and i don't know whether it was twofold i don't know whether the gender disparity was one and two I came to the realization that I had peaked very, very early. Sort of GCSEs and A-levels were like, yeah. And then university was like, oh, no. <laughs> and yeah, whether that be a misunderstanding in, or just a difference in expectation of what the course is going to be. Yeah. And just 
yeah, realizing that people are not realizing, but having the belief that people are better than you. Therefore, you don't belong somewhere. And that was something I carried with me from majority of my university experience. I felt like I didn't belong. And so yeah. now being in the environment I'm in, you know, the university experience shaped me. And no matter how badly I think I did, I learned something because, you know, I'm here doing what I do. Even if I decided not to do engineering, my university mm -hmm. experience still taught me something about myself. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think that's an amazing answer, Tad, because for those of you who are still in uni um, and you're doing whatever degree, it doesn't have to be engineering, you might currently be feeling, oh, I don't like the subject anymore. Oh, I really want to change my stream or, you know, something along those lines. Trust me when I say you're not the only one who feels this way. I think there are so many people you can just ask around and, you know, confirm yourself as well. There's so many people who feel this way, but this is something similar that happened to me when, when I first came to the UK, I was 16 and, you know, I finally had access to the subject called design and technology. So similar to Tat, I also did DT in high school and that changed a lot for me because it was revalidating what engineering meant to me. And that was creation, creation and you being able to change um the way this world is progressing and so you know it could be something very small or you could be you know doing something really big and en engineering is taking that big thing splitting into smaller things and making it work you know and i think it's a very beautiful concept we have but when i came to university and i went to imperial and imperial is like meant to be top 10 in the world and top 10 in the world not just for aeronautical engineering, but for everything. So when I went there and like Tad also said, I didn't feel like I belonged because the expectation I had of what engineering would be, I thought we'd be going to the lab, getting our hands dirty, seeing for our own two hands, like what's going on. Like we've learned so many different things, but have you realized these different things that we've learned, you know, in, in the spirituality I follow the, they say there's a difference between knowing something and realizing something. You may be taught something and you may know it, but have you realized it and to be able to use it? And I, around in third year, I had this existential crisis. I was like, wow, I've spent two years studying aeronautical engineering and it seems like I still don't know anything. So what's going on? Um, and I used to just have these discussions with everybody. Like I used to skip lectures because we were in the middle of a deep conversation or something. But, you know, it's safe to say that after four years, after finishing the final year project, and I just took a deep breath and just reflected on these four years, what I realized was I may have not been the best engineering student as such, because if you ask me some principles right now, I probably can't answer, you know. But that was not the point of the degree, was it? The point of the degree was... We sure we get a holistic view of you know what our subject is about and if we really want to we can sit down take a deep breath and start something and we can finish it that is not something that perhaps we were able to do before we joined uh you know university life and things like that so maybe um you know everybody has their own idea and experience of university but for me i think i was able to learn things that i didn't know i needed in life you know, so today, if I sit down and I want to learn a new coding language, I can. If I sit down and read the notes from the past four years and I want to genuinely understand them, I can. And that is not something that, you know, we can find everywhere. So I think it was an interesting experience and mm -hmm. just wanted to touch on that. So if there's anybody still in university and is, is having an existential crisis or you've graduated and you're having an existential crisis, <laughs> you're not the only one. Um, rest assured, there is definitely you've learned something out of it. And it's definitely shaped you in some way. And uh, hopefully, hopefully you can find that. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that a little bit. Um, any thoughts on that, Tat? I think for my own personal story, I've mentioned this to you before, but university was the end goal for me. So if mm. you spoke to me when I was in primary school, secondary school, I wanted to get into a good university. Did I have any idea what I was going to do after that? Uh-uh. I got to university, I was doing the university degree, it was both great and terrible at the same time, I'm sure you can share that same <laughs> idea. 
And then I finish, I'm like, well, I did the thing. But I can't say it's like, I, I didn't have like a massive breakdown and say, oh, now what? It was hmm. throughout uni that made me learn about the rest of the life rest of my life that I have left I've got so much I can contribute and just moving away from these milestones and I think you know people say it a lot it's not about the goal it's, a, it's not about the destination it's the journey but it's, yeah. on, it's honestly university that made me experience that because I reached mm. the goal I got into a good university but that almost seems so small and little in comparison to the experience that went around it because even though I had reached the goal there was so much more learning growing destroying I had to do around it so only now that you can really well at least for myself I can take a step back and really appreciate and absorb the journey that I'm currently on yeah so, yes I got a job or something that was amazing I'm not going to take uh, do myself any disservice to that but the journey yeah. of getting that was really difficult grueling but I can come out of it and say I did the thing yeah, you did the thing. And mm. I think, Tad, you did a lot more than just the thing. Um, <laughs> you know, because our definition of the thing was very different. And I definitely mm. agree and relate to that, Tad, because um, even when I was younger, you know, in India, we have this thing called IIT, which is Indian Institute of Technology. And every kid who wants to be an engineer is, you know, really studying day and night, very, very hard to get into IIT. And trust me when I say it, Tad, if you and I applied to IIT, even today after graduating from these top universities, we would possibly not get in. Mm -hmm. It's a high chance we wouldn't get in. But the point I'm making is uh, back home, I heard so much that people were like, oh, you know, if you get into IIT, your life is set. And I used to think, wow, what is this place, you know? And I was fortunate enough, like during one of my um, Rubik's Cube competitions that I used to do a lot back in the day, uh, I went to IIT Delhi and I, I looked around and it, you know, the energy of the place is different. You can tell, mm -hmm. but I couldn't pinpoint what, what was going on that was so intense about it. But then you'd hear these news and, you know, people wanting to drop out, not just from IIT, but from university and stuff. I'm like, why did you go in in the first place if you didn't want to do it? I was naive, I was young. Mm. And when I went to Imperial, I think when I when I first joined Imperial, there was a fourth year student who said, listen, there are gonna be many times where you'll feel like dropping out. Don't, trust me. Mm -hmm. And uh, that phrase of his kept coming back to me almost every two months. Because <laughs> there were so many times where, you know, you, you felt like just giving up and, mm -hmm. But I think there's so much to just stick around and learn from. And I think it's, it's definitely a beautiful journey. So, Tat, you know, you mentioned you went to an all-girls school. Yeah. And um, how was it like when, when you said you wanted to pursue engineering? Did you experience any barriers, any mental blocks even when, you know, as, as you said, it was a male-dominated mm -hmm. uh, career path? Tell us a little bit about that. I guess the repercussions of that didn't actually hit when I until I started university. Um, I had, mm. like, like you mentioned, I was naive in secondary school. I I hadn't experienced engineering before. I was studying it. I had, but I hadn't done it practically. I was doing the maths. I was doing the physics. I was doing the space science studies, but engineering as a subject, as a concept, I I really wasn't getting my hands dirty with that yet. But the good thing is, like I mentioned. I never felt that people were trying to steer me away from it, not in secondary school, at least. The minute I said to people that I was going to be an aerospace engineer, like you mentioned before, it's like, oh, you must be really clever. Then I'm like, eh, eh. <laughs> I don't know yet. <laughs> we'll figure it out. But the it was always a positive reaction. It was like, mm. but the one thing they'd always say is like, oh, good, we need more women in this field. So uh, from the outset, I knew that it was male-dominated. There wasn't enough women or, you know, non-binary individuals for example just it was male dominated but I never really experienced the effects of that until I started university that was when one I was surrounded by more, by more boys so I got to learn what they were like I got to learn what how we were different how sometimes there were clashes between us and then I really started to miss the girls I was around as well because I mm. think there is a lot of there is 
some sort of sanctuary in being around people that you relate to, right? And of not having that at university, I, I did struggle for a bit. But despite, you know, these differences, being able to adapt to one another and learn about one another is the way that you overcome things like this, just because, you know, you're just because someone isn't like you doesn't mean this you are in control of the rift between you and another individual right it's not it's not it's not absolute the difference between you and someone else is not finite it's hmm. it's it's something you can control and change yourself wow <laughs> very powerful very powerful words it's, it's like every two lines tad speaks is some sort of <laughs> quote just hidden in there um so I, I really like what you said, Tad. Um, you know, I was watching this movie called White House Down. Um, mm. It's a very strange uh, thing to bring up, but I'll tell you why I'm bringing it up. In that in that movie, they're I think they're trying to um, the the president of the United States is um, trying to bring back the military and saying we should unite everybody as a whole. And there are loads of people who are against that for some reason. So this little girl just runs up to him, takes her camera out, and says. Mr. President, how are you going to get so many people who are so different from each other, you know, to to agree on a single thing? And he said, I don't know. But we can try because the moment we give up on trying to get people different from each other. That's when we've given up on humanity. Because if you really think about it, if you really try and look for the differences between all of us, each individual is so unique, but there's a, there's this quote, and uh, it, it basically goes along the lines of, "We are more similar to each other than we are not." And if we just take a moment to uh, contemplate on that and just meditate on that, I think we'll find so many things that are happening in the world right now wouldn't exist. Like all the problems that are happening in the world right now wouldn't exist if we were able to, you know, just set some time aside and think about that. And I think it's really powerful. So I agree, you know, when you say it's just because we're different doesn't mean, you know, we can't get to know each other or definitely. So what was one thing you'd say you learned, um, not about men, but uh, <laughs> just people in general, when, when you, when you, you know, when you adopted the mindset of, okay, I understand what, that we're different, but I will respect that, but I still mm -hmm. want to understand you more. I think I'm, I, I'd probably say it's less about people in general, because like you said, everyone's so unique. I can draw different mm. lessons from different people. But at the same time, I what I learned coming from myself is that if, if I approach people tenderly, if I approach them with kindness and understanding and compassion, even if I know nothing about them, or maybe mm. don't agree with them in some way, you'll always find you know, you'll, you'll always find something deeper about them, which will either bridge the gap between you two or reinforce that, okay, maybe this person isn't for me. And that's completely valid as well. But just, yeah, understanding that you're, you, you, ha you have to be kind to people, no matter mm. who they are. And then you can mm. make the decision for yourself. You are completely within your own right to make the decision with yourself. Is this person worth, worth bridging the gap between or should I keep my privacy with them? Mm. Wow. That's a that's that's a good piece of advice for sure. <laughs> yeah, because I'm I'm somebody who uh, I'm on the other extreme and like I refuse to give up. Um, you know, I'm like and if I, yeah, if, if we if I feel like you know there's somebody who's very valuable, um, and you generally want to get to know them more, or there are differences that you'd like to bridge. <laughs> it's an, it's an interesting one because you don't know when to stop exactly. or when to continue and things like that and i think with you as well it's like you want everybody to feel loved and i think that's something that comes from you and i yeah. felt it as well it's like you want everyone to feel at home you want everyone to feel loved uh, and while that is of course a very noble act it always it takes energy from you as well right it's not yeah. something that you can just do without input on your part it takes your love it takes your kindness it takes your energy away mm. from you and you're creating all these tethers that attach you to other people which is wonderful but either have put the tethers in the wrong place and then hmm. you, you just end up having an energy sink you you yeah. lose all the love and the passion that you have to begin with and it's just being you're allowed to be selective you don't have to be friends with everyone you're not made for everyone neither am i and it's hmm. just allowing yourself to be selective 
and at, but at the same time allowing yourself to explore different people and opportunities as well you're yeah people people are fun people are interesting yeah. and i think learning about people is one of the greatest lessons in life and is one yeah. that will never really become you know we'll never it's something that we can you know get better at but it's not something we'll ever truly master because you meet so many different people every day and you're just this is the one thing that allows you to be a lifelong learner right there's different mm -hmm. people mm. definitely yeah and you, you've touched on something very deep to me and that's that's why this podcast is called the experience because we're all trying to learn from each other's experiences and understand each other a little bit more so ta you know going ahead just talking about maybe work environments and stuff mm -hmm. like that is there a barrier you're feeling at the moment in your new workplace mm. um, or do you think people are now a lot more aware and many problems are now going away what are your thoughts on that i guess in my very specific situation i'm now in a company where i see a lot of women and i see a lot of women in junior positions and in senior positions so for me it gives me you know a lot of reassurance for the future and that yeah. this is a big organization and while the ratios aren't the best they are mm -hmm. making a lot of effort and it's a conversation that they have quite regularly about not only introducing more women into engineering the space industry but also keeping them there because if there's no support and there's no incentive is one thing but support is something completely different you can incentivize loads of people to do engineering but if you don't support them along the way you're just going to lose them all so that's a nice thing. It's like it's conversations that people have. It's about increasing inclusion and diversity, right? But I guess one barrier I think any young engineer will feel this is the sort of it's a mixture of sort of realizing you are very, very young, also realizing you don't know very much at all. And mm -hmm. I guess it creates that level of uncertainty and also introduces imposter syndrome into the equation as well. But yeah, starting a new job, especially from university, like you said, you've learned so much. And then you go to work and it's like, can I use any of the things I have just <laughs> learned yet? Mm -hmm. But yeah, even industry says this, at least the companies I've spoken to, uh, and I was lucky with the company that I am with now, they didn't expect me to know anything. They just expected me to be willing to learn. Yeah. And like you mentioned at the beginning, university helps you learn about learning. You, yeah. you figure out how you learn best, what you like to learn what you don't like to learn, what's most effective for you and finding a company that not only values that, but also nurtures it. They don't expect you to know everything. They just expect you to be willing to try, which I think is really a really awesome thing to try and encourage. Of course, definitely. And I can see you specifically being very, uh, you know, passionate and strong about trying to include people and making sure they feel safe in, mm -hmm. in, in what they're doing. Um, tell us a little bit about your role when you were the president for a women's society. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what that was? So that was started actually by someone in the year above me. Uh, mm -hmm. She had a, the company she was with over an internship had a women in engineering society and realized that our university, while it's so strong in engineering, didn't actually have a community like that. So she ended up starting it. And the year later, I was fortunate enough to take over the position as president and firstly it was just such a nice community to have it's just so many people that share your experience and it really does make you feel less lonely you can mm -hmm. sort of throw the saying around like oh everybody experiences this or oh i know i'm not the only one but actually having a story or someone to back that up is so reassuring and we were able to have conversations that it's, it's those things it's just externalizing things you know to be true it's mm -hmm. like to say oh this doesn't seem quite right or oh, I feel like this. And just, again, having somebody validate that and saying your feelings are valid. You are, you're not wrong in thinking this. It's just such a nice thing to have. Mm. And that made me feel safe as, even though I was in my final year, I should be the one giving help and advice, right? But just having these people there, just their presence, made me feel safe as a about to graduate um, student. And yeah. I, yeah, I wanted to give that back. I, I wanted to someone who is starting out or someone who isn't at university yet, I want them to know that there is a community here of people that get what you're going through. Yeah. And if they don't, they will happily sit down and listen to what you're going through, whether that be good or bad, whether you feel like you don't belong or whether you don't feel like you're doing the right thing. There are a whole bunch of people that are willing to have the conversation. And I'm not trying to say that it, this is only applicable to women. I know of many, course. many, many men and others that 
are also have the same experiences, but I, I, I just feel like they don't verbalize it enough. Mm. I, I, feel, I felt like I was the one that was trying to sort of suss these things out of them. It's like, it's okay if you're feeling crappy or bad or just not right. You're allowed to say it. And I know this is such a conversation, especially, yeah, amongst men, is just not being able to externalize that sort of thing. You have to be in charge of your own struggles. You're not allowed to mm. rely on someone else. And I think that can be so damaging. Definitely. And again, being in a, around that environment, environment, it was while I was very, very grateful to be able to be the one that instigated these conversations, you, you, you tend to adopt some of their thinking as well. I didn't feel like I could go to help after a while. I didn't think I could say that I was struggling or didn't know what to do. But then having a community where I was able to do that, again, mm. it's super, super valuable. And I think one of the things that we try to promote within the society is like, this isn't just for women. This is a community for us. Sure, we are there's so few of us so it's quite nice to be able to get together sometimes but this is for women and allies and allies is is anyone anyone who's passionate about including anyone and everyone in engineering so yeah. the great thing is we had loads of male professors male students in like getting involved in these conversations as well and we got to hear things from their perspective which is super insightful as well and so i'm really glad i'm really really fortunate to have met the people that i did they're fantastic. They're super, they're, they're strong. They're, they're kind. It's such a nice combination of things, especially in this industry. And I really hope I've been able to pass the baton on in that way. But no, I have, I have no doubt they're going to do amazing things. I'm sure too. I mean, you know, this, a couple of points you mentioned, the first thing is you said, you know, it's not, um, just women feeling this way. Um, but I, but I think it's so important, as you mentioned previously as well, you know, just someone you can relate to. So having that group of um, women engineers that you could talk to and relate to and share your stories in a safe and comfortable environment is so strong. And as you said, you know, it doesn't matter which position you're in, which year you're in, there's so much you can learn from each other as well. And another point you mentioned is, you know, there are, there are so many men that you've had to shake it out of them. Mm -hmm. I think this has something to do with prob probably has something to do with toxic masculinity and, oh, totally. you know, and it, it's something I've seen in my friends and even in myself, you know, there have been mm -hmm. times where I felt like, you, you know, as you said earlier that you see me as somebody who wants to make sure people are comfortable and they feel loved and at home. And at times when I'm feeling vulnerable, I feel like I can't show that because I need to be the strong one to facilitate mm -hmm. their comfort. But actually, no, there is so much beauty in being vulnerable that um, and it also makes you a lot more relatable. Like if, if you're just somebody who is constantly just showing that they're succeeding in life or something, people are just going to look at you and say, wow, but that's it, <laughs> you know, and, and there's no. There's no connection, there's no deeper connection to that. So I definitely agree. So, you know, looking forward um, in life, Tad, is this something you want to continue doing? Um, you know, even even though you're doing your full-time job, is this something that you're considering, you know, uh, eventually in the future? Because yeah. I can definitely see you as a really powerful icon, uh, you know, in the whole world, actually. Oh. Um, you know, being able to reach out to people and just supporting them. Is this something you, you've mm -hmm. been thinking about, something you've considered? Community is such a, it's such an important thing for me. And that goes for all facets of my life, not just my career. And having a community where people, not only you can share things with, but you can feel safe is something that I've benefited from so much. Having that support network mm. has seen me through some of the best and worst times in my life. And mm. I feel that this is something that anyone can benefit from so like you said this is certainly something i want to yeah facilitate keep up with nurture as i go through my career because i'm while i have some wisdom i'm also learning as well so and i learn from everyone that i meet and i learn from their experiences their struggles like we always say but yeah i almost i don't want to i'm not trying to approach this from a oh i can i am an authority here i am someone that knows about this stuff i'm like no i am someone that just wants to hear about this stuff mm. and if i'm able to be someone that can create a community like this i would be so honored and i've been very lucky to be able to do that at university it was a time that i needed it the most and i would be really really fortunate to be able to do something like that in my career as well because it's the women in the industry that really 
or it's just people in industry that really encourage me to keep going be where mm. I am because they, they, I don't know how to explain it but it's like they showed me that grass is greener on the other side of education because I can I should have done this at university but I'm, I'm able to make a name for myself here I'm able to yeah be very authentic with the way I approach engineering mm. and I'm lucky in the industry I'm in and I'm lucky in the company that I'm in but yeah it's just that authenticity which I lacked at university or at least developed very late yeah I, I, I want to be able to encourage that in people as well I don't I, yeah you don't like you said you don't always have to be strong you don't have to know what you're doing you're allowed to share things with other people and it would be I'd be proud of myself if I can able if I'm able to continue that for the rest of my career yeah uh, ladies and gentlemen, I wouldn't be surprised if you hear from Tad saying, yep, yeah, I'm starting a new podcast, and <laughs> getting people involved. And I think it's it's, it's really nice. And, um, you know, I have it's, you it's... to live up to, though. Sorry? I would have you to live up to, though. Oh, nothing of the sort. <laughs> um, you know, um, so yesterday's guest was uh, a psychologist. His name is Wakil, and we were talking about psychology and spirituality um, and how they sort of are very, very, very similar, if not the same thing as well. And we were talking about how both psychology and spirituality agree on association. You know, there's a saying that says, you are the product of the five people you spend most of the time with. And um, just being very, very grateful uh, for the people that you've surrounded yourself with, definitely. And so you being able to facilitate this platform for people to open up to is, is, is very powerful, Tad. And it helps you as well, you know, as you said. And every time we speak, I, I feel like we, we say this at least five times every time we speak. We say, wow, Tad, you and I are so similar. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because um, even at my time in uni, and I would say I realized this something very late as well. Um, in third year, I joined this society at a bureau called KC Sock, um, which is a spiritual society. And mm-hmm. I joined it because of, the, because of the people that were there. And they were just so warm and loving and full of compassion and, you know, it, it was just so inspiring to be around them, you know, and uh, I had the honor of being the co-president of that society last year. So I, I relate to you in the sense that, you know, we're not saying that we know everything, but we want to be, um, you know, we want to be there to facilitate um, this platform where people can just open up either to you or to each other. It doesn't matter as long as they have a sp- they have a safe um, place to, to do that. Mm. Um so, you know, how can we do this on a on a larger scale if if we choose to, you know, and not just, you know, we, we were speaking about um, inequality between women and men, but we also see a lot of inequality in or, or discrimination against, you know, other sorts of areas in life, you know, and sometimes I just sit down and wonder, like, why why do people just do this in the first place? Like, why do uh, why are we conditioned or why are we conditioning ourselves to discriminate against other people? I was wondering what your thoughts are on something. I know I've just thrown you in the spotlight there. But like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering what your thoughts are on something like that. This is a really good question. Mm. Um, I feel like everyone would have a different response to this because I think mm. everyone's going to draw from their own experience of disconnect and discrimination in that way. And I feel, in my case, the first thing I would say, or at least comes to mind, is people are scared of what they don't know. And fear is okay. This is fine. It's a natural emotion. It's not something you have to suppress, but it's just being aware that it's there. It's like, why? Why does this person scare me? I I, I don't know if, if it's the right word, but why do I feel disconnected to this person? Is it because they are wholly different from me or we don't believe in the same things? And then you can develop that and say, okay, is that a problem that we're different? Mm. What's the worst thing that could happen that because we're different? And sometimes there is something. Sometimes it's like, oh, okay, me and me and them don't agree on this. And this is a very fundamental part of my core beliefs, and therefore I don't want to. But it's just not evading the question. Mm. It's like, uh, and you're allowed to have a conversation with someone as well and it's like i i have these reservations or i have or i don't know something about this person or i would like to learn more about this just strike a conversation up you will probably be pleasantly surprised about the people you meet 
And wow. going back to your question or your speculation earlier, so how, how can we facilitate this on a larger scale? Mm. And I think it's going back to what you said, you are a sort of product of the five people that you spend your time with, right? And if you can be a person that exudes that sort of energy, that you are the person that is warm and kind and loving and compassionate, hopefully even just one person will start to do that themselves. And then mm. to their five people, they become that person. And then someone in their circle will turn into that person as well. And so it's always a, like a chain reaction, right? Yeah. It's a chain reaction of positivity. And yeah. people will learn from example, right? So yeah, sure. It can, it can be difficult. It can be really tiring, but you're sort of reminding yourself you're trying to do good in the world, right? There's no harm in that. Definitely. Wow. That's, I, yeah, I really like that. And I, I really like the idea of just approaching somebody and having a, you know, civilized, calm conversation with them about, you know, what's different about us? Why can't we see eye to eye or whatever? And also, like, as you said earlier on in the episode that um, you can be selective, you, you shouldn't feel bad of, you know, and this is something I'm still learning so much, Tad, because, you know, maybe in the past, there were certain people I was hanging out with that I no longer hang out with. And it's not that I don't want to hang out with them. I just... I don't know. I, I don't see myself striking a conversation with them anymore or we've grown apart or in maybe in maybe in a good way, maybe in a bad way. And I'm not talking about anyone deep. It's just even as friends, you know, uh, you, you, you grow apart at times. And mm -hmm. it's something I'm definitely still learning and understanding that it's okay to feel that way because people will come and go in your life, will leave a lesson and uh you know some will stay and some will go definitely yeah mm -hmm. yeah i was about to add to that but like growing up sometimes means growing apart and that's okay it's not it's mm. neither bad thing for you or the person just because yeah it doesn't always have to be a negative thing you know it mm. just, it, it could just like if you have new characters coming in your life it could be a start of a new chapter you know definitely and a new yeah. seasons coming with new characters new season yeah, I think, again, this is something you and I have in common. We, we live our life as if we were uh, the main character of a book or a, <laughs> or a movie. And, you know, sometimes I say this out loud to people and they just laugh and then they sit down for two minutes and think about it like, you know what, I really like that. And um, I've seen some of my own friends starting to do that as well. Yeah, and, um, I'm going to one-up you on that. I saw, yeah. I like the main character idea as well, but I saw a woman on Instagram really turn that around their head. It's like, you are not the main character. You are not being controlled by something else. You are the, the casting director. You are the producer. You are the, you are the lighting expert. You control the movie. You are yeah. not just the character. You are bigger yeah. than that. You are not just following somebody's script. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. You, yeah, you're, you're, you write your own story. So. you write your own story yeah i believe that too and mm -hmm. you know there's so much that um, there is so much out there that we can't control but there are definitely things that we can control and mm -hmm. you know once once we understand that there there are definitely things that we we can choose to do and choose not to do to to take it further definitely so tatiana any final remarks you know for all the all the women out there <laughs> and also the men because I, I'm a man, but I really look up to you, Tad. No. And, um, you know, so for everybody out there who's listening in, whether no matter how old you are, do you have anything to say to people? I think for any problem in life, I can't really provide a solution, but it's just one thing that's helped me the most is having a very profound level of self-awareness. It's mm. knowing, it's being able to see yourself from the third person, realizing yes. that taking a step back when you react to things, taking a step back to when emotions come and realizing, take, yeah, it's that third eye perspective, third eye, that uh, third person perspective really takes you away from, you know, spur of the moment reactions and rash decisions. And having that level of self-awareness can really help to shine light on some of the thoughts, problems, and concepts you have and that really helps to you know move you through different phases of your life you don't have to always just react to life going with the flow doesn't just mean reacting to life as it comes you are still in control of it and yeah one of the best things i can tell people is like take a step and just take a step back and just check in with yourself 
no yeah. matter when that is, even if it's on the bus, like, how do I feel today? Or oh, why did this rub me the wrong way? Or mm. yeah, having conversations with yourself is such a nice thing to do because you, you get to know yourself one on one because you're Definitely. the person that you spend the most of your life with, right? <laughs> so being able to have a, have a healthy conversations with yourself is something, yeah, it's invaluable, I think. Being able to like yourself as a person is invaluable and being able to talk to yourself is a way to start that. So many quotes right there. Um, <laughs> uh, well, this also, before we leave, this also ties in really well with uh, the conversation I was having with Wakil, who's the mm-hmm. psychology and spirituality talk. And we were saying something similar where, you know, I've started doing this bullet journal thing, journaling thing, which is um, just writing down one line of gratitude every single yeah. day. It's just something that you've been grateful for. Um, you know, it, it's definitely a way to to see something positive that has happened in your day. And also, you know, just taking a few deep breaths and being mindful of, I mean, you don't have to do this every single day. Like you don't have to do this for three hours a day or anything. Even if you just do it for five minutes, you know, I think it makes a massive difference. Mm-hmm. It kickstarts your day well. And uh, just before you sleep, just thinking about, you know, your day and how it went really. And there's no judgment mm-hmm. if the day went bad. You know, I think that's the whole point that we, we, we want to learn and improve from our own experiences. And on that note, thank you for tuning in to the Experience Podcast. And um, Tad, if there are people who want to reach out to you, are you comfortable uh, with that? Absolutely. Yeah. I want to meet anyone and everyone. Great. So do you want to drop your uh, Instagram, oh, LinkedIn right. or whatever? Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> so Instagram, goes. it would be at, well, I guess you're going to put my full name, right? So we just at first name, second name. <laughs> it will be my Instagram. So at Tatiana Mandel. Yep. Um, I'm happy for LinkedIn. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, first name, surname. Yeah, I think those are the two that's easiest for people. If anyone needs anything else, I'm happy to give. But yeah, I think those two are the easiest for now. Those are the easiest. Yes. Please, it's a funny story because uh, Tat is the only person that I met through LinkedIn. Uh, yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> yeah, I remember that too. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. We really hope you learned something new. Before we end, let's take another moment to reflect on the word bridge. After this, think about what changed between your feelings before and after the episode. This podcast was created so we can listen to all our stories and learn from each other because there's so much that we all experience in our individual journeys. Being able to have even a small glimpse of someone's journey can add so much perspective to our lives, help us grow together, and be able to better understand ourselves and each other. Despite all our differences, there's so much more that we have in common. This is a listener-supported podcast, so any level of Patreon subscription or one-time donation will be accepted with a lot of gratitude and used back to making this podcast experience even greater. The different subscriptions can be found on my Patreon page, which will be linked in the description. This was recorded during COVID times with little to no professional equipment, so the quality may sometimes vary. We apologize for this inconvenience, but despite that, we hope you were able to connect with the message of this episode. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope to see you next week. Take care.